folks, welcome to another episode of the SBC History Podcast. My name is Luke Holmes, and I'm here to uh, tell you stories about the past to help guide us in the present. It has been a while since we've been here on the podcast because of COVID and all those things I don't have to tell you about, but we're back, and we're back today with a very special guest, Matt Thomas. He's a pastor and academic, and uh, he's here to talk to us about Isaac Backus, a leading early Baptist theologian in America and pastor and a man uh, who had a special interest in religious liberty. That's something that is extremely relevant to us today. Bacchus was not SBC because the Southern Baptist Convention had not been formed then, but uh, what he spent his life focusing on is of great importance to us today. And so make sure and follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, leave a review for the podcast, uh, share our content, all those things. And uh, with that, uh, let's get straight to our interview for today. Well, it's good to have you here today. Why don't you tell me some about yourself and your ministry, where you're at, your family, those type of things. All right. Um, well, of course, I'm, I'm Reverend Matt Thomas. Uh, I am the pastor at First Baptist Church of Denmark, South Carolina. I've uh, been there since uh, serving with these wonderful folks since January of 2016, uh, originally from North Carolina. And um been married to my wife, uh, Kristen, uh, be 11 years and a few days. And uh, we've got two daughters, uh, Sophia and Lydia. And uh, we are uh, just blessed to be where we are. And, and, and the Lord's been faithful uh, to us throughout our, our ministry. And uh, I graduated with my um, bachelor's degree and my master's of divinity from Gardner-Webb University. Uh, it was the closest local college that I could do that. And uh, and, and stay connected close to home. And I'm currently uh, writing my dissertation at Midwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. I've been in that program since the fall of 2018, and I'm uh, writing my dissertation on Isaac Backus. Now, uh, I noticed you say you're from you're from South Carolina, but you're in North Carolina, or vice Opposite. versa. I get that wrong. Vice versa, yeah. From North but, Carolina, currently in South Carolina. Do you always have to define that? Is that like frowned upon switching Carolinas or? Uh, the two the two biggest things that have been uh, uh, one being that when people in South Carolina refer to Carolina football or Carolina oh. basketball, right. they are referring to the University of South Carolina. Right. Whereas I grew up, that was Tar Heel uh, right. uh, reference, and so that that was a big change for us. And the other is people consider us from the north. Uh, even though, right. <laughs> even though we're very southern in North Carolina, some of our folks think we're from the north. Tell me about Isaac Backus. Why you chose to write on him? Give me just a brief introduction about who he is and why you chose to write on him for your project. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, for those who've never heard about uh, Isaac Backus, he was born in 1724 uh, in uh, Norwich, Connecticut, and died in 1806. And he pastored uh, during uh, some, some significant years uh, during the 18th century. Uh, he um, was converted uh, during the Great Awakening, even though, of course, he grew up in an established church uh, setting in 1741 during the, the wave of revivals that swept uh, New England. He was converted and uh, he became uh, five years later, I was uh, since to call to ministry, uh, became a separatist uh, pastor uh, shortly thereafter, and then in 1751 uh, became convinced of the uh, necessity of believers' baptism, 
And so he became uh, a Baptist while remaining a separatist. And over the next five, roughly five years, he and his church struggled over that issue of believers' baptism. And uh, as it related to who was allowed at the Lord's table for communion. And finally, in early 1756, uh, the, the situation uh, came to the point where he and several others uh, established the First Baptist Church of Middleborough, Massachusetts, that uh, he would pastor until his death uh, in late 1806. And so he was the pastor of the same congregation for 50 years. Um, wow. one, one of the reasons why I was drawn to Bacchus was in my undergraduate studies, I had to write a, an honors thesis to graduate with honors. And, uh, and, and talking to some of my uh, professors, uh, you know, Bacchus emerged as, as a voice in uh, religious liberty issues, uh, which was a, an area of interest for me. And so I, I kind of focused in on him uh, during that project, kind of put Bacchus on the back burner for a few years. And then when I started thinking uh, about PhD studies, Bacchus became uh, someone that uh, the more I read about him, the more fascinated by him I, I became. Uh, not only was Bacchus the pastor of the same church for 50 uh, plus years, uh, but he became an agent uh, for the Warren Baptist Association uh, in the 1760s and 70s and, and, and sought, you know, religious liberty, published quite a bit on the topic of religious liberty, had a confrontation uh, in 1774 uh, with John Adams uh, over uh, wow. the issue of religious liberty and, and, and what the new uh, government would look like uh, as uh, the move toward independence came. Uh, but he wasn't just a one-trick pony when it came to, you know, he wasn't just about religious liberty. His, his principles uh, and convictions ran deep. Uh, he was a, um, I, I would consider him an 18th century Puritan in a lot of his theology. Uh, very strong Calvinistic uh, background to his, uh, his principles, a defender of what he would consider uh, Baptist orthodoxy. And, and, and wrote, you know, extensively on, I grant he is an 18th century writer. And so his, uh, his writings sound like they were written in the 18th century. And is there so really long titles of books and sermons and all that? Yes. <laughs> extremely long. Yeah. Um, and, and one of, one of his, uh, one of the things I found most interesting about him and studying him was that he wrote over, over about a 30 to 40 year period of time, a pretty extensive history of the Baptist denomination in New England. And uh, the, the work, um, of course, has one of those really long titles, uh, but it's been republished uh, as the History of New England Baptists mm -hmm. and uh, very uh, informative on uh, how he looks at you know, people like Roger Williams and uh, even some of the, the folks like Jonathan Edwards that weren't Baptists but had you know, big impacts on uh, the religious landscape in New England. So, so is this is the SBC history podcast, but he died in 1806. What's the uh, connection there to Southern Baptist life? Why should we, why should we worry about somebody who, who was so long ago? Uh, well, he, aside from being Baptist, he obviously wasn't Southern, uh, lived in New England and, and, and ministered there. Uh, a couple reasons. One, um, in thinking about Bacchus as a theologian, I think he could be very helpful to, um, to the SBC in our current uh, environment 
uh, you know, regardless of the uh, religious liberty uh, positions that he took, even though I think that's really where he shines strongest, uh, you know, Bacchus was a Calvinist, and of course, in Southern Baptist life, there's that perennial debate over the uh, the proper place of you know Reformed theology in uh, in Baptist life. But while Bacchus was a a staunch Calvinist, and he de- he defended you know uh, you know the, the the classic five points of Calvinism, he was also a revivalist and uh, has was you know committed to. Uh, the, the work of the spirit that he had experienced in his own life during the Great Awakening. And so there's that, um, a, he's a good example of someone who could hold to strong theological convictions of, that some people would, would argue are contradictory to the spirit of revival, but, but he would argue that true revival uh, comes because of those core convictions. And one of the, the interesting things about Bacchus's life is he, he kind of is a bridge character. Uh, he's a bridge character in that you know, he's converted during the Great Awakening. Uh, but he, when he dies in 1806, there's the beginnings of the Second Great Awakening are beginning and very much different than what he himself had supported. And in fact, the church that he was a pastor at was dealing with a lot of those issues even in his death as the nature of, of you know, the, the work of the Spirit and, and true conversion and all those sorts of things. And I think he's a helpful voice, uh, voice there uh, for Southern Baptists. But, but ultimately, Bacchus's greatest contribution is that he grounds religious liberty in a theological context. Yeah. And, and that's something that, as, as a Baptist, I, I found to be quite refreshing. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, really came of age in the 90s and uh, kind of at the tail end of the moral majority uh, period of time, but grew up, you know, hearing from the pulpit, we need to put God back in America and, you know, the language of, you know, the, the founding principles of our country. And Bacchus is a great voice to go to on this issue because Bacchus says, you know, the principles that we were founded on, you know, religious liberty was not something that was uh, automatic. Right. Religious liberty was something that was fought for. And it was fought for not just because it was politically convenient. It was fought for because people like Bacchus believed that it was essential to the, um, to the doctrinal positions of the church. And so I think having that theological basis really is, is, is something that we as Southern Baptists need to rediscover. Yeah, I think it's really important for... And lots of Southern Baptists know this, but lots don't, that that we've not always had religious liberty for a country that was uh, founded on Christian principles, and they want to say they had no problems throwing Baptists in jail or, or anybody, depending on the state and location, Presbyterian or anybody that wasn't a Congregationalist or a Quaker or anything. There was, uh, there's all sorts of history of people being beaten and whipped and jailed and, and, uh, and before America's founding in, in the 1770s, I mean, like Bacchus and John Leland and others, I guess they were contemporaries, right? Mm-hmm. Rough contemporaries. They, uh, they helped get that started with, especially with uh, the declaration and John Adams. Now you said he had a confrontation. You can't be a Baptist pastor without at least one confrontation under your belt. Tell me That's about right. that. Um, well, the Warren Association appointed a grievance committee uh, to go to the uh, 
to the leaders and 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 I, I pulled uh, from Bacchus's own diary uh, his his recollections of this and uh, as he was you know they present the uh, the 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 grievance petition saying, you know, we, we want religious liberty. If, if we're going to you know, rebel against the mother country, we want to make sure that we're uh, protected from uh, the tyranny of the established church. And as they present it, you know, people like John Adams, Samuel Adams, others were there. And they're basically saying, there's, there's no issue. You guys have, we have religious toleration. Uh, you know, you're protected. You don't need to worry about it. Bacchus himself had even spent some time in jail for refusing to pay the taxes. Uh, for the established church, but as they're uh, having this confrontation, this is what John Adams, according to Bacchus, what John Adams um, said to him, he says, we might as well expect a change in the solar system as to expect they would give up their establishment, uh, talking about the uh, established church in Massachusetts. And, and you know, and, and Adams was, was, not, um, was not, you know, uninterested in the plight of the Baptists, but it was not a political battle that they were willing to to fight at the time. And so Bacchus, you know, stayed clear. He, he said, you know, they, these are, these are issues that have tremendous implications, not just for Baptists, not just for Quakers, not just for, you know, separatists, but for all people. Um, and, and a lot of it was tied to how Bacchus understood liberty. Uh, Bacchus did not see liberty as the freedom to do whatever you wanted. Uh, for Bacchus, freedom, true liberty was the freedom to enjoy God. And the only way to truly enjoy God was for government to get out of the business of the church or you know, to, for government to not impose religious um, rules and requirements. And so Bacchus argued, you know, there were, that God established civil authority for a reason and God established ecclesiastical authority for a reason. And sometimes one of the things that you'll hear when people you know, discover Bacchus is he, uh, one time he used this phrase of sweet harmony between um, kind of church and state. Uh, and, and what Bacchus meant by that was, is that when the state did what it was supposed to do and the church did what it was supposed to do, there would be a sweet harmony. But when the state got involved in the affairs of the church, it violated conscience. It forced people to sin. You know, when the state required that there be a congregationalist minister in a community, even if the people did not support the congregationalist church, then that was requiring people to violate their conscience and to sin. And so uh, he, he saw it really more so about the individual purity and health of the church as opposed to just a political thing, we need freedom. And to be clear, when Bacchus talked about, uh, and Leela and others, when they talked about the state and the church, they weren't necessarily talking about just their Baptist church. They, exactly. they were talking about that, but not just that. And we've encountered that in recent years. The ERLC uh, has filed amicuses on behalf of a, a mosque before the Supreme Court and other things, but doing that is keeping in tradition with the history of Southern Baptist and soul freedom. It's called sometimes a religious yeah. liberty. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. And and while Bacchus's context was not, you know, there, there was not a lot of religious diversity right. uh, in terms of non-Christians. Uh, Bacchus, you know, was very clear that you know, in order for the state to do what it was given the authority by God to do, 
it needed to not interfere in religious matters um, and that for the church to be healthy. Uh, and, and he, you know, he did what a lot of people did uh, in looking at the history. He said, you know, the church was healthier pre-Constantine yeah. and that it, it was when you had this marriage of church and state that the power of the sword that God gave to the state, when that became an instrument of the church, you had a confusion of authority and the you know, you know, tyranny began. Um, now, Bacchus was clear, you know, religious principles that individuals hold will impact their political persuasions. Yeah. But that did not mean that, that the church needed to interfere in state matters or that the state should interfere in church matters. Right. It's a it's a delicate line. And as Southern Baptists, we have we have crossed it quite a few times, I could say. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so told me that's why he mattered in the past because he helped kind of establish those principles but why why does somebody like Bacchus matter today um, and I, th I think it's that theological basis for religious liberty I think a lot of folks particularly in the Southern Baptist where I see this as a pastor they assume religious liberty means something that it doesn't uh, how explain uh, that what they they think that religious liberty, and they may not phrase it quite like this, but that religious liberty is simply a political um, state where you know we have the First Amendment where you know there's no government involvement, but that you know that that we should you know push to elect you know people that are going to promote Christian values and those kind of things, and and Bacchus would argue that you know we need good Christian people in position, but not so they can push Christian values, but because they look at things from a perspective that allows them to make good judgments. And, and so for Bacchus, one of, the, one of the, the struggles that he brings light to today is that just because someone calls themselves a Christian does not mean they're going to do the best possible job. Right. Um, and he dealt with that, you know, because you had people, you know, people in pulpits who were arguing for the established church during his lifetime and, and Bacchus is arguing against it. So this was, you know, an argument between Christians. Right. And so I think Bacchus is helpful today because as we live in an increasingly secular society, we can see that sometimes the best person for the job may not necessarily be the person that agrees with us on every theological issue, right. uh, but is someone who supports those basic principles that we support. And so I think that's a helpful corrective that he provides. We, uh, you mentioned when people think religious liberty is something else, what are some of the common things that people think it is that it's not like, I would say maybe many people think religious liberty is prayer in school schools. Well, it is. It's it's not not that, but it's not that also. Exactly, and I think what a lot of people, you know, um, kind of a joke that you know many Baptists don't know our history, and so a lot of people when they think you know the golden age of Baptist life, right. think 1950s, 1960s, when the context in our culture was very different, and a lot of the Baptists that I deal with and have talked to, they think of religious liberty as civil religion. 
right. as you know, government-sponsored religious observance, even if it's not uh, explicitly Christian. And Bacchus would say that's dangerous for the church yeah. health, that the only way the church can be healthy is for the church to have regenerate church members that have shown clear evidence of conversion that aren't engaging in some kind of civil religion just because it's socially acceptable. Yeah, I think uh, as we increasingly live in a first Peter world that is kind of hostile to our faith and those things, I think it's important to remember too that the world that Bacchus was in was not, was not a golden age of Christianity either. If you read accounts from Churches in New England that time, they were disciplining people for all sorts of things. Drunkenness and addictions and other things were rampant. It was, I mean, that's why the Great Awakenings were necessary in part, because mm. it, was a, it was a very lost world, much like the one we live in today. Exactly. And, and so some, someone like Bacchus can help us identify with where we live at today. Yeah, I, I find when I read Bacchus... I almost, though, though he obviously sounds like someone writing in the 1700s, that there is a sense that there is a commonality in experience. Yeah. Um, and I think for Southern Baptists in particular, this is a helpful time to remember when we were in a minority position uh, as Baptists and, and how we have unfortunately allowed uh, cultural and social political dominance to become what we would consider to be the norm when historically that has not been the norm. Yeah. I, uh, I, th I think that's absolutely right in Baptist life outside of the last hundred years, less than that, even it, it has not been the norm. Uh, what, um, and I have to ask, cause we're thinking about religious liberty and this is a made up scenario, but, uh, what would Isaac Backus have said to us as government was, shutting down churches during the pandemic, during COVID. I'm not going to ask you if he would have worn a mask or not, but. <laughs> um, I think Bacchus would have, um, Bacchus was very patriotic in the, in the best sense of the word. Uh, he believed that people needed to be loyal. Um, and he kind of had a Romans 13 approach that when civil government did what civil government should be doing, you needed to support it. Um, and, and one of the things that got Bacchus in a little bit of trouble uh, is in this, you know, from, say, 1770 to 1775, I won't say he straddled the fence on the issue of relationship to England, but his attitude was we need to be loyal, but also stand up for what we believe in. And so he, he, he moderated to some degree, which is one of the reasons why people like John Adams and others kind of disregarded uh, their concerns. And so, you know, while it's always hard to say what someone would say in a contemporary right. context, I think Bacchus would argue that loyalty to Christ and loyalty to the state are not mutually exclusive if both are doing what they're supposed to do. If the state said a church cannot meet Right. I think Bacchus would be one of the first ones to say, join us on Sunday. Right. Uh, I think if the state said that the church should consider, you know, conditions, Bacchus would say that's not an inappropriate use of authority. 
And so I, I think he, he would kind of take the approach that a lot of Southern Baptists took in the last year of saying, you know, as long as they're not telling us that we cannot meet, we will do what we can to accommodate. I have always, I love history and I've always wondered what it would be like to live through a moment in history. Uh, most of the moments we experience are kind of local, uh, but they don't really affect us. People remember where JFK was shot. I am in Oklahoma. I remember where I was when the Murrah bombing happened, and even, even though it didn't affect me directly, but this is something that has affected all of us. And frankly, I've had enough historical moments to last a lifetime now. But uh, I think it's important to learn from those in the past. And I think that someday people will be learning from us. I'd encourage people as you, and I've encouraged pastors as you go through these moments to keep a journal, write things, yeah. uh, keep records in your church. I sent little letters to the church. I stuck copies of those in our archives and things because it's just those things that you're reading about in Bacchus. You're reading some biographies of his, I assume, but you're also reading source from the material, the original letters and sermons and all those things he wrote. Correct? Yes. Yes. And one of the things that, that and it's, it's very, you know, one of the reasons why it saddens me that Bacchus has not been remembered better is he left behind a trove of material and uh, several, you know, several of the scholars over the years that have looked at Bacchus have argued the reason Bacchus was forgotten is because Bacchus won that Bacchus's approach to church state really was the dominant view for 150 or so years. And that may be true in a technical sense, uh, but it's, it's the world's definitely changing. And so, you know, most of Bacchus's material is available, you know, online free. Um, and it's very helpful to, to read through. Um, you know, he wrote a lot, he wrote a lot of letters and, and he would take those letters and, he would actually publish some of them as, uh, as pamphlets. Um, and, and, he, and like I said, he wasn't a one trick pony. He wasn't solely about religious liberty. He, uh, when his mother died, um, the funeral message that he preached for his mother, he published um, as, as a, as a, as a work called gospel comfort. And so he talks about his mom, but it's more to encourage others. So it's a great reminder that the material that we produce today can be of an encouragement 200 years in the future if we preserve it. That's great. We've lost the art in the internet age. We've lost the art of pamphlets. That was always a big deal, especially in the early colonies. The pamphlets spread that message far and wide. Uh, the uh, If someone wanted is listening to this and decided they wanted to go, read about Bacchus or read something from him? What's a couple of quick things that, that they could go find? Uh, of course, when I finish my dissertation, that will be right. the, the definitive word on Bacchus. Right. Uh, not really. Uh, but a couple, um, there, there have been some more recent, a good introductory book, um, Brandon O'Brien. Um, several people may be familiar with other things that he's written. He actually wrote his dissertation on Bacchus, and he published several years ago, uh, a book, uh, IVP Books published it called Demanding Liberty, An Untold Story of American Religious Freedom. And it's uh, it's not really a biography of Bacchus in the traditional sense of the word, uh, but it is kind of an introductory uh, work for people who've never heard of Bacchus to, uh, to examine him. And, and O'Brien does great work at trying to connect some of the 
contemporary um, issues that Bacchus brings up. Uh, there really haven't been uh, many um, good biographies of Bacchus. He, of course, makes appearances in collections of other uh, works. Uh, William McLaughlin uh, was kind of the dean of Bacchus studies in the 60s and 70s, and so he had a biography of Bacchus. Uh, a helpful uh, source that he did was he compiled several of Bacchus's most uh, well-known pamphlets on church-state issues, as well as some of his doctrinal writings uh, in, a, in a collection with some good introductory material. And so the, the resources are out there. Uh, like I said, a lot of it's in public domain. You can uh, just Google Isaac Bacchus. Uh, the most important work that I would uh, recommend any uh, Baptist to read uh, that Bacchus wrote is his um, plea to the public for religious liberty uh, that he published in 1773. Uh, that is the, um, the, the clearest argument that Bacchus puts forward on, um, on religious liberty. It's, it's not his only word on it, obviously, uh, but it's a great place to, to start. Uh, to kind of see what Bacchus believed and why he believed it. That's great. I'll see if I can get some links to those in our, our show notes. If you're listening, you can go find them there. As we close up, we, uh, we talk a lot about the past, but as a Southern Baptist pastor, you tell me about what you're excited for the future of the SBC. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, the, the past two years, have been uh, interesting in Southern Baptist life for a lot of reasons um, and, and for different reasons. Um, the struggles, I think, uh, in the history of the SBC have always been transformative. And I think when whenever we as Southern Baptists wrestle with issues, it makes us better as a denomination. Uh, as long as we can quarrel over significant matters. Right. And... Uh, and I think, you know, while we are quarrelsome people, uh, they have been good seasons when you look back. And I think we're kind of at the at the beginning of one of those periods. I know a lot of people are kind of dis distressed right now thinking, you know, what's going to happen at the annual meetings? Is it going to be a battle over, you know, different resolutions or different figures and things like that? Uh, but what I see happening is uh, we're having to ask questions that we've not had to ask in a generation. Yeah. And related to the nature of authority. And, and that's another area where Bacchus can be quite helpful, is what is the good and proper role of authority? Um, and it's not just scriptural authority, but it's also the authority from uh, non-Christian materials. What, what's the benefit? What's the, the, the ability that they can, uh, or the help that they can provide to us? So um, I, I think uh, I, I'm... I'm optimistic about the future. I think we're going to see a leaner uh, SBC uh, in the next generation, but that's not a bad thing. Um, as long as we stay focused on the authority of Scripture and spreading the gospel and being people of prayer, I think our best days are always ahead of us. That's great. Well, I, I agree with you. I think uh, I think they are too. And, and I know it probably won't look like what it has been or even what we think, but uh, God's in control of that. And so... I thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. I'll pray for you there as a missionary to South Carolina from North Carolina. And, uh, and uh, um, uh, again, if you're interested about Bacchus, you can find 
uh, Matt online, and uh, and I'm sure he'd be more than well willing to share a talk with you or point you in the direction of some resources. Thank you again for taking the time, Matt. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. There you have it, folks. Thank you for listening to the SBC History Podcast. You can find Matt online on Twitter and Facebook. You can find more about Isaac Backus almost anywhere online. Uh, he listed some good resources there. Make sure and check that out. And as always, uh, follow us and leave reviews, all those types of things. Every little bit helps. Share this with a friend who might uh, have some questions about religious liberty and the Baptist tradition behind that. Thank you again for listening to the SBC History Podcast. We'll see you next time.